God is doing great things. He's doing great things not only around the world, but here at, at Living Hope. And the invitation is come see what God can do. And we are seeing God work as we choose to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And in this series, we're talking about seeing the difference God makes. It's the difference between having life and light and, and, and God's presence and power and not. It's, it's the same as having the sun or not having the sun. Without the sunshine, there is no warmth. There is no light. There is no life. And so it is without Christ. But we have Christ. And in Christ, we have God's presence. And so what we're going to learn today as we seek to see the difference God makes is to understand the difference that, that it is to have God dwell in his people. That's what our text is going to show us. Through the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to live these blessed lives. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me, I'm, I'm not much of a tech guy. I'm certainly not much of a car guy. I usually keep uh, my vehicles for at least 15 years at a go. And I'm, all, I'm often surprised at the technology uh, that comes about. And I imagine the next time I buy a vehicle in 15 years that, that there will be different technologies. I imagine there will be electronic technologies. I, I've noticed these new electronic cars. I'm familiar with the Telsa. I, I, I when I occasionally will take Carrie over to Meyer and she'll run in and get something and I'll watch these people uh, juice up their cars. And it's pretty cool to, to, to watch that, that happen. I, I was pretty excited. I, I did see this commercial uh, for a, a Hummer that is electric and it goes zero to 60 in four seconds, which interests me. Not, not that I would ever go that fast, but just that I could, you know? But it's, it's amazing to think about what this technology is doing and, and how this whole thing works. But it's based on a battery. These vehicles have to have a battery. It doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter what they can do. It doesn't matter uh, how many charging stations are available to them. No battery, no power, no real use. And so it is with human beings. We are made for God. And if we do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, it doesn't matter that we are beautifully made in the image of God, that we can do amazing things, and, and that there are charging stations, churches, Bibles, radio stations, uh, you know, all, all kinds of books. There are, there are podcasts. There are so many charging stations all around us. It doesn't matter if we don't have the battery, if we don't have the Spirit of God living in us by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. Yes, we are, we are physical miracles, but without the Holy Spirit, we're dead. Without Christ, we have no life. We have no spiritual, eternal power. God wants us to be empowered by his presence. When God dwells in a person's life, he makes all the difference. Our text today shows us the difference that God makes through the presence of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We finished off last Sunday in verse 17. It's something of an abrupt stop, and I told you it would be. And, and today we're going to pick up in verse 18. And I want to go ahead and warn you, there's so much that can be said about these verses, verses 18 through 22. We're going to look at it specifically from the perspective of the presence of God, God dwelling in us. But, but do not miss the rich theology that is here. Certainly some of the key metaphors that exist throughout all of Scripture describing Jesus Christ and our relationship that we can have with the Father through Him. And you may want to go and do some further study with the study Bible. But know this morning that our aim is to understand the difference that God makes 
by dwelling in his people. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word as I now read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated now and pray for the preaching of God's word. You know, one of the tendencies that we need to be very sensitive to, one of the tendencies that exist in all human beings is to look at other people and depersonalize them. Uh, make them out to be just an idea, just a, 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 a kind of a symbol of what we do or don't like. We, we certainly see this in athletics. We certainly see the opposing team at times and we see players and it always saddens me to hear people say, oh, I hate him. You don't even know him. Uh, last night we were watching uh, the Alabama-Missy State game and a quarterback went down and I could tell he was going to take a bad hit and I said, oh, no, 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 no. And sure enough, he was, just, he was just knocked out of the game. And you know, my, my, my immediate thought was, oh, his poor mother. Oh, his poor mother. Because I imagine when my children get, get, get hurt, I know, you know, Carrie's just like, you know, it's like I have to like sit on her to get her to keep her from running out onto, you know, the field or whatever. And I, I just prayed for that, that, that poor child's mother and, and seeing the anguish. You know, and that helped me in that moment. Remember, this is a person. This is a young man. This is a 20-year-old that's, that's trying to figure out his life and figure out, you know, what he's supposed to be. It's, 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 it's entertaining to me to be around Kentucky fans this time of year because if you ever want to get a Kentucky fan fired up mad, if you ever want to see a tear come to their eye, just very slowly and sternly say, Christian Leitner. You know, there's, there, there, was, there was actually a television show produced by ESPN 30 for 30. It's called I Hate Christian Leitner. Friends, we are a sick people, okay? We, we hate someone because of the uniform they wore and because of a shot that was made, which was beautiful, by the way. Great from the free throw line. Remember that one? All you can now, see, there I've gone again. But, but it's so easy to depersonalize someone. And one of the things that we tend to do as human beings is we tend to do that with the Holy Spirit. We, we often, and it's, it's startling to me now, I, I've become so sensitive to this, but I have heard even recently uh, people who've been Christians for some time refer to the Holy Spirit as it, as though he were a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person that we know through Jesus Christ. He is a person that we relate to, that we connect with. He is uh, crucial, and, and it's, it's important that we understand what he does. So let me encourage you to take note of, of these three things that this text reveals. And again, there's so much in this text. But let's, let's look at these ways in which we experience the dwelling of God. Understand the Spirit of God enables us to access the Father in Christ. 
to access the Father in Christ. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, there is a ton of theology in that very brief sentence. I just want to unpack a little bit of it. First of all, through him, uh, him, I circled that word. Him is not the Holy Spirit. Him is Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus Christ that we have a mediator. We have access to the Father because Jesus has atoned for our sin. It says in 1 Timothy 2, beginning in verse 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. He paid the penalty for our sin to redeem us from death, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And it is in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we commune with God. I appreciate H.C. Uh, Spence in his commentary. It says, as, a state, as the state of the soul in true intercourse with God is substantially the same in all, so it is brought by the same Holy Spirit. All who repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ experience the same Holy Spirit who gives us life and seals us until the day of judgment and guides us in his truth given by his power to produce the word of God. And this is a great blessing. We are able to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It says in, in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, all of us who know Christ. We have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Again, that Greek word koinonia, we looked at it last week. It's more than a potluck dinner. Those uh, who have fellowship have a shared way and purpose of being together, a shared identity and thought, a shared purpose and mission. And this is what the Holy Spirit gives us in Christ Jesus. It's, it's important to understand how it is we engage the Father. We need to think of ourselves maybe as a cell phone. We are the hardware, and Jesus Christ is our service provider, and he enables us to gain access. He's the mediator, and the Spirit is our signal. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't have a signal. You can't connect to the Father. You, you, you may know something of a provider, but without, without the right provider, you won't get the right signal, and, and so it is in Jesus Christ we have the one who never fails. We have the one who always holds us. We cannot escape him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Romans 8 tells us. And so what we have through Christ Jesus is access to the Father. And, and he gives us the Spirit. He gave us. Go back and read John 14 through 16 and look at the promises that, that Jesus said about the coming of the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And now through the Holy Spirit, we have access to the Father. Without Christ, we have no mediation. Without the Spirit, we have no means to access the Father. To be a Christian is to be a child of God and to relate to God, the Father. Romans 8, 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received, look at that, look at the capitalization, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of adoption, the sons by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And this relationship changes everything about us. It changes, it changes who we are. 
It changes what we live for. It changes how we live. That's what the fellowship does. It changes our identity. It changes our purpose. It changes our very way of life. We, 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 we really do. We, we experience, we receive an entire new identity, purpose, way of life. And, and all of this is experienced only through the Spirit. Second thing to note is this. The Spirit of God, not only does, does the Spirit of God connect us to the Father through Jesus, the Spirit of God connects us to the kingdom and the household of Christ. We're no longer strangers and aliens. No, no, no. Though we were once trapped in sin and brokenness, we now have a new way of life. Now, it's very important to understand how we gain this way of life. It is not through our work. It's not through what we do. It's by receiving what Christ has already done. If you're going to rely on you, if you're going to be your own service provider to get to the Father, you're going to fail. You've already failed. And there's nothing you can do to make up for what you have done. The wage of our sin is death. And the only thing that any of us can do to make up for our sin is to pay an eternal price to the eternal God, which is eternal death. But what we have in Jesus is a ransom. We have a payment that, that provides for the cost of our sin. That's why he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. When Christ died, he paid the penalty for our sin, and that's the gospel. We, we know that the world is not as it should be. We understand God's design is harmony and perfection. Do we understand that it is our sin that has caused the brokenness between us and God? It's caused the brokenness within our own hearts, within our own relationships with other people? The only way we can be saved is if we will repent of self-sufficiency, believe in Jesus Christ, that he is God made flesh, that he has paid the penalty, that he is alive. And once we repent and believe that gospel, that good news, we can pursue and recover God's design. And that new design is, enables us to connect. We get to connect with God and we get to be members of the kingdom and household of Christ. The Holy Spirit connects us to this new reality. You are, look at this description. You are fellow citizens with the saints. What a privilege. This is talked about in other portions of scripture. First Peter chapter two, verse 10. Here's two of my favorites. You really need to know these. First Peter 2.10 is one. Once where you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Revelation chapter one, which is a fulfillment of several prophecies going all the way back to the Pentateuch and, and throughout the, the prophets, this, this wonderful promise of what God was going to raise up for himself through Christ Jesus, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And look at this, made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. We are members of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven by grace through faith in Christ alone. And we are members, look at this, and members of the household of God. Christ our brother, God our father, the spirit, the, the person by whom we relate and connect with this glorious grace. First John chapter three, beginning in verse one. See what kind of love the father has given to us 
that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The world doesn't understand us. The world doesn't understand why we would say worship is essential, why it is we would risk uh, disease, why we would risk whatever it takes to be able to explain the gospel, to praise God as a gathered people. We, We are made one in Christ. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. We don't know fully what it even means to be the children of God. We don't yet know fully what it is to be citizens of heaven. But my friends, we will. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. God has brought us to himself in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And now we are joined together. We're not just connected to God. We're connected to one another and all those who have gone before us. You know, in the the recent uh, past decade or so, I've been really happy to see Legos make a comeback. I was really concerned that, that there would not be Legos because there was this choking threat. And, you know, I get it. Boys and girls, don't eat Legos. They are not good for you. But they are fun to play with. And, and over the years, I, I can remember as our children would collect different ones from birthdays and Christmas, you know, they, they, would, they, would, they would kind of forget why they originally had all these Legos. You know, they come to, you know, you can build a Star Wars thing or whatever. But over time, they just, I don't know about your house, but over time, they just became a part of a huge bucket of Legos. And I always knew that sound, that, you know, that crashing sound of Legos as they refuse to pick out just one out of the bucket. No, no, no. They must see them all at one time. What could potentially be built with every single piece that would later be caught in the vacuum cleaner as though I were trying to kill something with the vacuum cleaner, that glorious noise of, uh, that only Legos in the vacuum can make. But what do they want to do? They wanted to see. And then they wanted to begin to piece each one together to make something. And you know what God does? He takes each one of us like a Lego, formed for his glory. And he connects us to one another to build us into his dwelling. He does this for his glory, but our benefit. We are to function together. And to do that, we must allow the Holy Spirit to do his work of building us. And so make sure you get note of this. The Spirit of God builds us to live out our identity in Christ. He is forming us individually by by connecting us collectively, corporately, that is. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Please don't miss this very, very important point. God is building each of us, you and me, individually by working collectively in what he's forming us to be as a church. If you're not connected in a local church, God is not building you into what he made you to be. He's made you to be a member of his kingdom. He's made you to be a member of his family. He's made you to be connected so that you can be a part of this dwelling that that is his church. Living hope is a means by which God is building each of us together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. None of us can become what God has designed us to be apart from the rest of us. 
If you're not connected as a member, an active member, not just that you've got your name on a roll somewhere, but if you're not connecting, and we talk about the disciples' life here, we spend an entire month preaching on this. If you are not gathering for worship, equipping for growth, connecting in a church, uh, connecting in a group, serving the church and world, and, and making more disciples, you're missing out on what it means to be a Christian. And you are certainly not being formed in what Jesus died for you to be. We, we are made to be in this family. And families are messy. Families are not always fun. Families are difficult because we're all difficult people. We're still trapped in bodies of sin. And we disagree. And, and we sometimes just don't like each other. But you know what? We can always love. We can disagree, but we can always love. And when you're in a big family, there's going to be a lot of people you disagree with because we are all often wrong. No one's got a complete market on the absolute truth. Only God's word is absolutely true. And in our limited selves, we can never contain all that, that what is true and right. Our perspective is always going to be limited and certainly tainted with the sin of the flesh. But yet God still works. He has chosen to work in a body, a family. And I particularly like big families. I remember when I first came to Living Hope years ago, a lady, it was kind of funny, a lady informed me that she would be leaving our church because it had just gotten too big. And I you know, I was 28 years old. I, you know, I hadn't learned a lot of tactics and I, I wasn't, you know, always uh, quick to, to process what I thought. I said, well, ma'am, I guarantee you, you're going to want to be in heaven. And I guess heads up, heaven's going to be big. You know, she'd never left living hope. She said, well, that's right. I guess I should stay. I said, I guess you should. Family is family, whether it's a, a small family or a large family. God's made us into a large family. I recently uh, met a friend who has 12 siblings, 12 siblings. You don't hear about that much anymore. You know, you know three, maybe a basketball team, but you, know, you don't hear you know, a lot beyond that. It's, it's, it's a new, 12 is a lot. Bless their mother, right? 12. But you know what's fun now? There are over 100 grandchildren to that precious mother. I mean, imagine that Christmas list. Woo! You know, what's interesting is that some of those cousins have never even met one another. And yet, they're family. See, what, what doesn't change is the blood that makes them one. No, no matter how big the family is, there is a blood connection that will always unite them. And so it is here at Living Hope. No matter how many venues we have, no matter how many campuses we have, no matter how many cities or states or countries we are in, we are one in the blood of Jesus. And he has connected us however way he has chosen Wherever it may be, whether it's the eight o'clock service and then your connect group and then your service portion and, and then your friends that you're seeking to make disciples and then your equip opportunity, however that looks, what doesn't change is the disciples' life. 
We are all to gather for worship, to equip for growth, to connect in a group, to serve the church and world, and to make more disciples. And we do that under the, the leadership of this family of faith. And no matter how big we get, we always have that unity. So it's crucial. It's crucial that you not assume, oh, well, you know, living hope's so big, it doesn't matter whether I'm engaged in all the aspects of that family or not. Friends, it matters most of all to God. Secondly, to us. But certainly, thirdly, to you. Because you cannot honor God as he deserves to be honored with half-hearted devotion and connection. You will not grow into what Jesus died for you to be. You will certainly not be a blessing to this family that God designed you to be. You will not become what God wants you to be. In God's family, we are the church. We are the family of God. We are the body of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Again, the Holy Spirit is a person with a will. And we are each gifted as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. We are one in Christ. We are many. We're different Lego pieces, but we're connected. And we are to love one another as a witness to a watching world. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you show up at the same location and dress the same and vote the same. Oh, wait, no, that's not right. What is that? What does the word say? By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. What's the litmus test? Love. Love in Christ Jesus. Love in a redeeming grace. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We, we choose to love because God chose to love us. It's a choice. It's a way of life. And we're to serve. Serve in many ways, but certainly as ambassadors. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is building us together in love. God is building us to become what he died for us to be in Christ Jesus. We are his dwelling place. He is building his dwelling place as we make disciples. He's building his dwelling place as he strengthens us in what he's called for us to be. He is building his dwelling place and he is producing light and life and warmth. Friend, is, is that what the world is saying about living hope today? That's a place of light. That's a place of life. That's warmth. When I come in contact with them, I feel this life. I see this light. I feel this warmth. Friends, it doesn't happen without the Spirit of God. Some of you are good people. Some of you know a lot of information. But friends, if you are not a Spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have the battery. You don't have the power. You don't have the life. You must repent and believe the gospel. Some of you are children of God, but you're not living like it. You're not honoring him. You're not living in this family the way God's called you to live. 
You need to repent. You need to commit. And we need to pray. We need to pray for a revival and we need to pray for a great awakening. So let's do that now. Father God, I do pray for some right now who need to repent and believe the gospel. And if that's you, do it right now, right there. God hears your heart. Tell him you're sorry, that you're wrong. Ask him to forgive you and to take over your life and commit yourself to live for him. Let someone know what you've done so that you can be baptized in the next week. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you being faithful? Ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you if you are being faithful or not to his call, his, his way. Where there is lack, repent. And commit yourself to the way of Christ. And Father, we pray that through our willingness to sacrifice and to serve, that we will become this dwelling place that does produce life and light, that we will be revived. And not only us, but, but all Bible-believing, gospel-believing congregations in our city and in this nation. And we pray that you would revive us all and bring about a great awakening in this nation that would pour out into this world, that would change every aspect of our culture as only an awakening can. And God, as you do this, we promise we will give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.